Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. In this new thinking podcast, the focus is on peacemaking, a traditional Native American approach to resolving both criminal and civil issues. Peacemaking focuses on repairing harm. In a peacemaking session, an offender might meet with a group of elders who will talk about how the offender can make restitution and get his or her life back on track. The Center for Court Innovation's Tribal Justice Exchange is in the process of exploring the creation of a pilot peacemaking project in state court. I was lucky enough to join two of my colleagues on a visit to the Confederated Tribes of the Colville Reservation in Washington State, where we had a chance to see a peacemaking session firsthand. After that session, I recorded the following interview with two elders and a client about their personal take on the peacemaking process. With me are Matthew Dick Jr., an elder and peacemaker, and Darlene Wilder, also an elder and a peacemaker, and then Brad, who is a 29-year-old client who has participated in peacemaking. So I'll direct this to the, to the elders here. If someone says to you, gosh, what is peacemaking? How do you explain it to someone? I'm Matthew. From my perspective, I think peacemaking has been in our culture forever. It's just that we haven't practiced it for a long time. And peacemaking is, is, is the ability to live together with a lot of people like our tribes did a long time ago in harmony. Darlene? Yes, let's take it, take it from I, there. I never really thought about it so much of what it is, um, but how, it, how it's done. And I think aboriginally or traditionally we did it in our family units and predominantly with like what is called a talking circle where you gathered like we did earlier today and you just went around and uh, spoke about whatever it is that you needed to discuss or uh, resolve or a question that uh, had more than one point of view that needed to be heard and I was just re- recollecting uh, we kind of celebrated a birthday but I went around and each one of them I had all of us around this circle talk about something in their lifetime an experience that they had that they would like somebody else to have because they learned something from it or an experience that they would caution no one to have because they learned something from it and so that way, every, even the smallest child who could speak is able to relate to that. And so, some of it might just be a scary um, dream. They wake up and they think there's something under the bed or whatever, they, and they go and look under the bed, and there really isn't anything there. So that's how I think a long time ago our family probably did this peacemaking stuff. We would talk about what our experience was, and how we could benefit others by that experience. And to me, that's what peacemaking is, where we can share whatever it is we've had in our life with someone who is seeking more information that they don't have or never had the opportunity for that. And, and so in the context of peacemaking here in, in Colville now, you're using those same principles you've just described in situations involving uh, offending, and I wonder 
how how that goes. Now, let's Brad in a, a minute about his experience, but I don't know if Matthew wanted to say anything about taking what Darlene described and, and putting it into this setting where you're working with someone who maybe has committed uh, a serious crime or, or some sort of crime. Mm-hmm. And, and what uh, the traditions that Darlene was talking about is, is, is some of the rites of passages our people had a long time ago of uh, your transition from being a child to, to a teenager and to an, to an adult. And uh, that's one of the things, some of the things that at least the peacemaker circle that I've been involved in is that we try to bring those kinds of traditions back back up and, and, and talk about them and explain why they were so important. And uh, it, it's, it's so amazing that, uh, the reception that we get from the people that, that, that we've been involved with is because when I was 29 years old, I would have never thought to sit down with my elders and try to learn something from them. I was one of those kids that knew it all and I, and I was bulletproof. Once, once you begin to learn about those traditions that have made the Native Americans such, such a strong people that have lasted through all these traumatic events that I was talking about in there, how they, how they stood us in good stead to bring us through all that and we're trying to revive those traditions that those teachings that way of life the culture back up to so at least our young people are going to be be, be recipients of, of of what we remember brad i wonder if you could explain how you came into contact with uh, peacemaking circle and why you decided to, to participate. First time I heard about uh, Peacemaker Circle, I was actually in corrections. I didn't know nothing about it. And this was just last November. They asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said, yeah. And then, so they released me from custody and told me I had to be at the center and he's gonna meet with these elders. And um, no, I didn't have, I didn't know, know anything about it or anything, but, um, you know, those first couple sessions, uh, they really touched me and, um, my whole outlook on Peacemaker Circle, you know, it, it changed and, uh, you know, just, just having them elders and, um, stuff tell you. What do you remember? Like what touched you? Mostly it was, uh, it was their stories relating, relating to my problems, but, uh, not only that, uh, you know, the problems that I did say I had, um, they was guiding me through it and giving, um, helping me out and, uh, try to figure out how to, how to fix it and stuff. And, you know, it's just that guidance and, uh, you know, that's what being an elder is, is, um, you're in that position to, uh, pass on the wisdom and the teachings and what you, what you learned, you pass that on to the, to little ones. And, um, so they have it so they could pass it on. That's that's what I've taught. And are they the elders. are they giving you things that you hadn't found previously in your life, and teaching you things you hadn't known much about? Yes. Um, most of the old people where I'm from, um, no, I don't I don't see. I, I know they're old, but I don't see them as elders. A lot of them, a lot of them are still drinking and uh, 
you know, not pa passing on what they've been taught. And so, you know, it's, I don't know, it kind of sounds mean, but, you know, my understanding it's just old person. I mean, there's that respect there still, but, you know, there's, they're not deemed an elder. I don't know. Do you guys feel that way? My, when, when, my, when I was going to finishing high school and going on after high school and, and it, after about four years, my dad figured out that I was in education, was becoming a teacher. And I don't think he really wanted me to be a teacher. I don't know what he wanted me to do. I think he wanted me to be a secretary in the, in the legal system because I, I have a good memory. And, uh, and, and at that point, you know, he, he probably gave me his best words of wisdom personally. And he goes, you can't teach what you don't got. And I thought, wow, isn't that the truth? I mean, I'm going to be a teacher. What do I have that I can teach? I mean, then it really, you know, put the weight there and made me think, you know, when I, when I do, I really have got to know what it is I'm going to be doing. So he said the right things for me as far as putting me in my spot and in place. But he was good about that. I mean, he... And I, I guess I would have considered him an elder because I still think back on a lot of things he shared with me. It, so it sounds like the same applies to an elder, that you can't pass on what you don't have, and so that an elder is someone who has some life experience to pass on. I mean, is that, does that sound accurate? And willing to do that, not just... Like you said, they may have that knowledge, but maybe they don't have the setting or the circumstances to do that. And the peacemaking has allowed that to happen here. And, and it's changed so much since uh, since our, our parents were, were young ones growing up, is that the people back then didn't consider themselves elders either, but, but they would sit around and they would talk and, and they would do things. And, and you were expected to sit there and listen to them talk and, and, and observe what they were doing. That's how you learned back then. And they never did consider them, themselves teachers back then either. But they conveyed a lot of wisdom to, to the people as they were growing up. And I know my mother tried to, tried to do that with me, but like I said, I knew everything. So I didn't listen too much. The people nowadays, even though they're older, they, most of them don't think they really have anything to offer. And, and, and if they sat down with the elders here, and we need elders, we need them to start participating. If they sat down and just start talking about the things that they remembered, that's the teaching in its own right. That's the kind of teaching that we used, our people used to do a long time ago. And we are really in desperate need of male elders because we have about a hundred ladies that come to these things and we got four or five men that come to it. So maybe um, you tell me a little bit about how Brad, what you've seen in him, you know, it, it, the progress he's made because, you know, I, I, I heard you talking about it before. I wonder if you want to share some of that. When he came to the peacemaking circle, it wasn't like I fill in my application, turn it in and I'll be in the peacemaking circle, he had to come to one of our monthly meetings when there was, when there was what, 30, 40 of us <laughs> elders there, and then they had to present. 
he wasn't the only one there. There were others th that came that had to present why they were seeking Peacemaking Circle. And at that point, I saw Brad scared and nervous. And when he was a little kid, he might have been scared and nervous, but he never acted at that the way I saw him acting at that point because it was more defensive and defiant. And it, there was no defensiveness and no defiance. And it was just, I am a pitiful person and I need help. And that's a lot of how we begin our prayers is to the Creator that I'm just a pitiful person and I need your help. And that, that's what I saw uh, in Brad that, at that first peacemaking circle. And since then, he has finally learned that he has to pity himself. Because if you don't pity yourself, you're not going to admit your faults and weaknesses. And, and we all have faults and weaknesses, and we've got to, got to fess up to them and accept them and go on. If we can't accept them, then it's hard to go on. Well, I want to thank you all for, uh, you know, sharing with me and the people who are listening uh, your experience as peacemakers and your experience in the peacemaking circle. Um, I've been speaking with Brad, who's a has been a participant in a peacemaking circle, a client, and uh, Darlene Wilder and uh, Matthew Dick Jr., both of whom are peacemakers and elders on the Colville Reservation. Uh, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. Uh, for more information about the center, you can visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks for listening.